0: C'est vrai. Je suis un
1: now, in the uh, towers of. Uh, Edmonton, I'm not a Torrego, speak of both sides. I do not use crack
0: cocaine, nor am I an addict. Of crack cocaine. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Histories and Mysteries. I'm Jessica. And I'm Janelle. And uh, today we are on our second episode of Georgia Tan, uh, who ran a baby-selling ring.
1: Baby-selling. There's also a great deal of foster care reform that nobody cares about but me because I have a depressing job. (laughs) (laughs) Hooray.
0: Now you're in charge when someone needs to call the police.
1: Hooray. I have, I met a person who was like, I've never called 911. Like, I can't even imagine, you know, having to do that. And I was like, I, I've called them twice today. (laughs) Like, (laughs) me and fucking Doris down at dispatcher on a first name basis. I'm just like, hey, what's up? It's me again. I called 911 once and gave my name and they were like oh you're calling from like name of my organization right I was like oh god damn it (laughs) I'm on a first name basis with the 911 lady
0: and you've got a pretty common last name they shouldn't be able to pick you
1: out that fast no (laughs) not there's like you know 9,000 of us running around here Nope, just gave my name. And she was like, oh, it's you again. How's your night? I was like, well, I'm calling you. (laughs) (laughs) So not so so good.
0: (laughs) You know, Janelle, no one ever gets stabbed at my workplace. Don't you work
1: out of your living room now? Yes, but I've never gotten stabbed in it. (laughs) The point stands. Last time, where we left off with Georgia Tan, she was stealing babies from hospitals. She had, we uh, we talked about some of the tactics that she used to quote-unquote acquire or procure children for sale, which involved just, like, straight-up lying to poor single moms and then just kind of stealing their babies. Georgia, though, despite being an open baby-napper, gained a lot of recognition and admiration in the greater community for her work. Um, she presented herself as someone who rescued children from dire circumstances and brought them into the loving care of the Tennessee Children's Home Society, before finding them loving permanent homes. She was genuinely adored by not only the people of Memphis, but by almost everyone who'd heard of her work. Which is, I can tell you from experience, not the typical reaction. Universal adoration is hard to come by in this field, as are millions of dollars. Those are not typically the rewards.
0: (laughs) Well, it's one of those problems where the only way you make the job seem this attractive and the only way you look this successful is if you're doing something shady. Honestly, I think we should revisit Mother Teresa and see if she wasn't, like, just selling hundreds of children.
1: (laughs) If anybody runs any kind of, like, social services organization that claims to have, like, a 95% success rate, like, Something's up. Run. <laughs> you should track down their clients. Something has gone wrong. Nobody has those kinds of numbers. <laughs> yeah,
0: they they kill people. They have bodies in the basement. Nobody. Even better, they're just lying. At best, it's fraud.
1: <laughs> At worst, they're serving them in pie. Like, I don't yeah.
0: even. You know. Like, if you go to a rehab center and they're just like, the moment you walk out of here, you're cured, don't trust them. You know, you want you want just a grizzled social services worker who will look you straight in the face and go like, hey, "Maybe you'll recover. Maybe you'll die. We give you your best <laughs> shot." <laughs>
1: <laughs> I called a rehab the other day because you know, not for me, but because I As have again a depressing job, and uh, I called. Well, I have a I have a I have a challenging and interesting job, but we called like rehab and it was like out of curiosity like what is your success rate she's like oh by the fifth time they come through they're usually better like that's (laughs) great that was honest that was (laughs) normally after about four or five times you know they're ready to they're ready to start making some permanent choices i was like all right that was refreshing (laughs) what a sales pitch that was Social services doesn't run this way today. The goal of social services today is no longer to, like, rip kids out of their parents' homes and, like, give them to complete strangers as soon as possible. The idea that the system aims for now is to keep families together. Yeah. So the idea that she was just, like, sort of harvesting bog children like some sort of wild plant and then selling them... That's the kind of thing they commended back in the day, because they were like, ah, you got the stink of pore off them, hooray. But today, no. Today, that's a crime. You can't do that.
0: (laughs) It's also like she was specifically targeting suspiciously adoptable kids.
1: You should be immensely suspicious of any adoption or foster agency that claims to exclusively have blue... Blue-eyed, blonde-haired, polite Christian children with good dispositions. Like that, that's human trafficking. That's yeah. what that is. They're 100%. And <laughs> absolutely not. That's not how that works. No health issues, no disabilities, no emotional disturbances. Just a lot of healthy, robust, pink-cheeked white babies whose parents happen to tragically die in car accidents. Yeah, Absolutely on... not. That's not real.
0: Yeah, if you if you go to an adoption <laughs> agency and it all looks like Norman Rockwell, uh uh-uh. uh. That's sketchy.
1: Uh-uh. Leave. Leave. There's somebody's tied up in the basement. Like, leave. <laughs> That's not great. But Georgia Tan was so influential and so adored. She was personally commended by First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt. Wow. And She actually scored a personal invitation to the inauguration of President Truman. Like I this lady guess. had Influence. She had ties, connections. Like this, she wasn't just some like do-gooder in some corner of Memphis. She was leveraging her reputation as being like savior of the white children. She was leveraging this to get national fame, political connections for herself. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was. She was milking this for all it was worth.
0: I'd personally avoid that much attention, but you know, you do you, boo.
1: Nobody really looked under the hood long enough to to figure out something was up with this. I mean, some of the kids who ended up in her care genuinely were orphans or genuinely were unwanted, and she did do, like, some very limited in-state adoptions for the agreed-upon $7 fee, and she did take some kids from abusive or neglectful homes. Even if you did come from a shit background and this was, you know, being removed from the home was probably the right choice for you, ending up at the Tennessee Children's Home Society would not improve your circumstances. For one thing, not every child was adopted out to a starry-eyed, wealthy, infertile couple in their 40s living in the Upper East Side of New York City. Not every kid who came through the Tennessee Children's Home Society got a lifetime of expensive piano lessons in private schools and ended up as a professional wrestler. Um,
0: (laughs) It's almost like those parents are in low supply on average.
1: Well, and they got the premium kids, but there's only so many premium kids to go around. Many, many of the hard-to-place or less desirable, quote-unquote, this is not me grading the desirability of children, this was Georgia Dan, many of the, quote-unquote, less desirable children ended up in some pretty chilling circumstances.
0: Low grade. You can say low grade. <laughs> low
1: grade. Like you they're can say corn or eggs.
0: Coffee, you know.
1: <laughs> Just Jessica sitting outside in elementary school grading children like they're wheat. Yeah, I
0: just, I just, you know, do it exactly like you do with eggs, where, like, you have a little circular measure cut out of a, out of a board, and you gotta see if their head fits through and what shape it is.
1: <laughs> That's a grade eight child right there. Uh, literally unattractive, was a reason that they would be undesirable. She was like, well, that's a funny-looking one. Uh-uh. Can't sell <laughs> that for top dollar. <laughs> kids who had health issues, kids who had behavioral issues from, you know, a lifetime of poverty and trauma. <laughs> Too asymmetrical to have parents. <laughs> Absolutely not. You are a little droopy. Um, <laughs> Lopsided so Georgia knowingly no sold children to pedophiles and child abusers for their own purposes. Oh! And she's- Oh yeah, we're jumping straight in. She was horrific. There was nothing this lady would not stoop <laughs> to.
0: I needed a little bit more foreplay before that one, Janelle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm holy. sorry, there's just no way to
1: <laughs> beat around the bush on that one. Like She had a- She had a cadre of local pedophiles that would buy children off of her for, I don't know, use your imagination. She had a literal pedophile ring? That's amazing. She would sell them the hard-to-place kids. Like, she really didn't give a shit about these kids at all. You could
0: have some of the lumpy
1: ones. She did not care whether these kids lived or died. She cared about getting a profit from them. And if she couldn't sell them to, like, a, a wealthy couple, if she couldn't get top dollar for them... She would basically sell them as overstock. Like, it was <laughs> horrific. She also sold children to farms for use as child labor. Like, you could just buy them in bulk.
0: Ugh. Do they come in
1: a bundle? I, maybe. I I could see her offering a sale. Jeez, I mean, how how much farm do you need labored? It's, <laughs> that's the question. Things weren't actually any better for the kids, while they were waiting for adoption or placement, or sale as it is, while they were actually in the care of the Tennessee Children's Home Society, they were regarded as little more than commodities for sale, and conditions were unbelievably harsh. She was not careful with the merchandise.
0: You said this statistic last time, and it took a while to jutter around in my brain because I was not a math major, but she had, like, perhaps (laughs) 500 deaths and sold, like, 5,000 kids?
1: Yeah, it's not That's, great. Your odds are not fantastic. That is not a
0: great ratio. Soldiers come home from war
1: at better odds than that. Yeah, like there <laughs> there are, there are <laughs> battalions
0: in from World War 1 that had fewer fatalities.
1: <laughs> no, literally. Just to give you an idea of how little Georgia Tan gave a shit about the welfare of her like the children in her care. She made her first child sale in 1924, but she purchased a large cemetery lot to bury deceased children in 1923. Oh. So before she sold a single kid, she had already purchased their graveyard. That's a level of forethought that I don't
0: really care for.
1: No, <laughs> no. It's, that's not good planning. It's like when you get a Sims family and you just build a large graveyard first, you're up to no good.
0: Yeah, if you buy a graveyard in Sims before you buy a toilet, mm, you're not playing for the right reasons. <laughs>
1: You're up to some nonsense. They don't even have a home for these kids at this point. She's like, I need a car. I need some, like, political connections. And I need graves. Like, what the fuck? Like, was this a private graveyard? Uh, yeah. She bought her own graveyard. She had her own little grave plot. That's kind of how they did it. She got a big, giant cemetery plot to bury deceased children.
0: Just, at this point, I'm just wondering, like, is anyone logging how many kids she's burying?
1: Well, that's kind of the problem, is that she doesn't bury them all, because she knows how suspicious that's going to look. But for most of Georgia's tenure as director of the Tennessee Children's Home Society, they didn't actually have their own residential facilities. They were just sort of a facilitator. The kids were scattered across public institutions and a loose network of foster homes overseen by Georgia. Conditions at these homes were absolutely horrific. The children endured every kind of physical, emotional, mental, and sexual abuse imaginable. Georgia herself is said to have molested some of the girls who came into her care. It's not clear how credible that is, or if that was just like an anti-lesbian statement. Yeah, it's hard to say. It's hard to say where that actually comes from, but it's entirely possible. She just sucks. I I don't. If you told me she ate some of the kids in her care, I'd be like, yeah, probably.
0: Yeah, well, because the thing is, like, does it seem in character? Like, in the sense that she had a gaping hole where her soul should be, absolutely. I don't think she would restrain herself from doing anything that fucked up purely on the basis of morality, but, like, just because you're a bad person doesn't mean you're attracted to children.
1: No, so this is, this is some reports that were there, you know, take it as you will. What we do know is that it's believed that many children actually died from the physical and sexual abuse. Sick children were denied medical care and medicine, and even when the children were examined by doctors, the doctors' recommendations were completely ignored. Deaths from easily treatable conditions like diarrhea were very commonplace among kids with the Tennessee Children's Home Society. You shouldn't be pooping yourself to death in 1924. I know it's a long time ago, Yeah, but it's not that like, long. What, what is this, the 1600s? <laughs> like... No, like, you know, we're we're- we're past the Spanish flu influenza, Like, we're getting into a better understanding of modern medicine. No, kids are just having diarrhea to death in, you know, the 1940s. Nobody seems to notice. Dying like a medieval serf. Kids who turned out to be disabled or developmentally delayed simply disappeared. Their records were often destroyed. They were considered unadoptable and were of no further use to Georgia. We don't know exactly what happened to them, but we can guess. It's not good.
0: So basically what you're telling me is this is a fun story about anti-Jessica hate crimes.
1: Yes, Jessica, you would have been taken out back behind a <laughs> shed. That's unfortunately the gist of this. <laughs> Pretty much she had no use if you weren't adoptable, if you weren't saleable, if you couldn't work a farm or perform the lollipop song for a wealthy family. Like, you were of no use.
0: Here, Here's the thing. I was adorable, though. Even if- there are pictures of me-
1: well, that might have saved you. I had you. like
0: the biggest, like greeny blue eyes, like brown hair, obviously. So like you know, grade two. Um, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I I was a beautiful baby. But like even like early pictures of me, you can tell something's not quite right. Like there's this one picture of me holding a saltine in my hand, like I'm like and I'm like I'm like maybe one years old. And I'm dressed like a little princess, sitting in the grass, staring at this saltine cracker like it holds the mysteries of the universe.
1: <laughs> From a very young age, you were just like milk and carbs. That's all I need.
0: <laughs> uh, it's a very bland diet—the autism diet. Just it—it's a <laughs> lot of chicken nuggets and mac and cheese. I'm gonna tell you.
1: <laughs> we will see your low maintenance. Yeah. So in 1943, the Tennessee Children's Home Society got its first and only dedicated residential facility when a wealthy local businessman donated a large mansion on Poplar Avenue to the agency. The top floors were used as nurseries for children in TCHS quote-unquote care, and that's Tennessee Children's Home Society. And you gotta put care in quotation marks, because they were basically just warehoused. Yeah. This
0: is just where we keep the overstock.
1: If anything, having their own child residence actually made conditions more brutal. The staff hired at the home wore nursing uniforms, but the majority of them had no education or experience in nursing whatsoever. Many of them were substance addicts or known child abusers. And the children in their care were often just kept sedated. Georgia did not like children or want to deal with them at all. She kept those little bastards sedated.
0: Just knock them out. Shut them up. Because we talked about her bribing hospital workers, etc. last time. Like, because you can convince people to do a lot of shady shit. Oh, yeah. Against people they think are lesser, like, single mothers. But, like, they have a moral out with it. They have this excuse, this self-justification of, like, and eh, the kids are really better off, you know, with these rich families anyway. But the only people you can really have on the ground floor are 100% Just the most reprehensibly human beings imaginable.
1: I mean, Georgia had to be aware of the number of children that were dying in her care. She simply, like, she hated the poor. Hated them. She didn't think that the poor had any business raising children, and she thought that a wealthy upbringing was always better. I mean, if one in ten kids that she gets her hands on has to die in the yard for that to happen, apparently she figured that was the price worth (laughs) paying.
0: (laughs) It's very weird to think of a human being whose mental weighing of the situation is like... Nine rich adoptions to every one child death is a reasonable
1: margin. <laughs> She's just like, that checks out. I've balanced that book. Like, My conscience shit.
0: is clear.
1: These kids were basically like merchandise on a show floor. They were kept sedated, often confined to their rooms or beds. There really wasn't a lot of like enrichment in the environment. Babies deemed fussy, sickly, or simply unattractive, were just placed outside in strollers in the hot Tennessee sun until they died. Oh, that was how she dealt boy. with it. if you had colic, you got the sun. <laughs> we're gonna parbroil you. She was creative about the way she got rid of some of these kids. I mean, if like if you were too old for death by stroller in the sun. She just stopped feeding you. Many children died of starvation there. Dark. There was also quite a bit of um, infectious disease running rampant because anytime you have a lot of unwashed people living in close quarters in the 1930s and 40s, you're gonna have preventable disease outbreaks. This
0: just feels like a bad model for running a business. Like, I, guess, I guess that's not really the point here, but like, I don't want to dwell too much on like, that is just terrible. Like these kind of massive disease outbreaks, at a certain point, that's got to be a threat to your staff and your other product, grade A or grade B. Like you're good, cholera's cholera; it doesn't care,
1: right? Like the the morality's obviously horrific, but the financials also don't make sense. If you've got half the kids being taken out by dysentery, like they're on the Oregon Trail, you're out a lot of money.
0: At a certain point, this just has to be contempt.
1: Oh, you just hate them. You just don't care what happens to them. So many children actually died in George's care that during the 1930s, Memphis had the highest infant mortality rate in the country. And this was directly due to the high rate of deaths connected to the Tennessee Children's Home Society. That is statistically
0: fascinating. That should have gotten a lot more attention.
1: No, you'd think somebody would have fucking noticed. They're like, huh, I wonder why Memphis is a hotbed of child death. Like, you know. Yeah,
0: but also has one of the most prestigious child adoption centers in the country.
1: That's weird. You'd think somebody would see that in a Trivial Pursuit game and be like, somebody should really look into that. That's weird. Yeah, that's
0: incredibly strange.
1: And it's it's weird to
0: think, like, in the modern day, how many lives have been saved just thanks to comparable and easily accessible statistics.
1: Some fucking nerd is like, oh yeah, way too many people die at this hospital. They're poisoning them for sure. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Because that's the thing, is like, we can actually measure, because our, our our statistical models are so sophisticated now, we can measure excess deaths, like, to the point where, like, yeah. we, we know that there's a fair amount of, like, hospital serial killers.
1: When, I was gonna say, whenever there's, like, a nurse who gets it in her head that it's time to start killing some old folks, they can catch them just by, like, running deaths in hospital shifts through a computer. They're just like, well, it, it is awfully suspicious that Doris always seems to be working when somebody dies mysteriously, and you're like, ah, oh, well... Doris has killed 14 people. But no, it took a long time for anybody to figure this out. Nobody wanted to to cross Georgia Tan. She'd also just straight up take your kids, so that's a pretty powerful incentive. But unfortunately, we'll never know exactly how many children died in Tan's care, or what their names even were. Tan destroyed basically every original record that ever came across her desk, and she wasn't really proactive about tracking the number of kids who died in her child meat grinder of a system but experts do estimate the death toll may have been as high as 500. Unfortunately, only 19 of her victims were ever buried in the grave plot she'd purchased, identified only by their first names, or at least the first names that she gave them. The locations of the others' remains is unknown, although it's believed that she had most of them cremated. All of these kids who died in her care, whether they're buried there or not, are honored by a monument that was erected on the gravesite in 2015.
0: Like, when do you look at yourself? Because, like, she did this over the course of, like, several decades. But at what point when, like, oh, yeah. dispose of child corpse is, like, a regular weekly errand, do you start to question yourself? Right. Like, at a, at a certain point, this just has to make you busier than is necessary.
1: When you're wheeling a bunch of, like, unattractive infants out to die in the hot sun, at some point you got to ask yourself, like, am I the bad guy in this situation? (laughs) Should I be doing this? I don't think so. Uh, Surely jobs were not that hard to find. But the story of Georgia Tan and the Tennessee Children's Home Society raises some pretty big questions. The biggest one probably being, how the fuck did nobody notice this was happening? But the short answer is, is that they did. They definitely did.
0: 100%. There's no way... No one this
1: Holy shit! If you take somebody's kids, they fucking notice. For twenty-five straight years, the real parents of these children had filed complaints with police, courts, and elected officials, saying their children had been illegally stolen from them because they had. Yeah, that was true. That's literally what happened. There, there's very few parents that aren't going to
0: aren't going to raise a fuss. It's just a question of whether or not anyone listens.
1: Yeah, most people are not just, like, cool with having their kids kidnapped and then having their children's death Never mind by the state. Most people are not into that. Um, But sadly, these parents weren't taken seriously. For one thing, Georgia had powerful allies in the police, court system, and the highest levels of city government, who both protected her and made sure that her adoptions were rammed through the courts as fast as possible. No chance to reverse that, baby.
0: That's one of those things where, like, even if they've justified it to themselves, even if they're not, like, consciously, like, saying to themselves, I am allowing this woman to kidnap children. Like, they know. Like, there's a standard, there's a mens rea standard in, uh, the legal profession where you're still guilty if a reasonable person in your circumstance would have noticed.
1: Like, (laughs) I don't, I think a reasonable person would have fucking noticed.
0: The only way you don't quote-unquote know, like, the only way you're completely blindsided by this is if you are intentionally not putting two and two together. Pretty much.
1: Pretty much. At some point, when you're involved in this operation on any level, you've got to just be like, yeah, this seems, like, not great. This doesn't seem like a great thing to do. My soul hurts a little bit? Oof, that can't be good. And 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 like even for
0: like the unsophisticated numbers back in the day, it's just so suspicious.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, these parents have been coming forward about this for twenty five years, saying that like she illegally stole their children. Yeah. She was using underhanded tactics to steal children. How many av- on on average? How many different parents
0: independently coming to you and saying this specific woman stole my child? Does it take before you (laughs) at least launch an
1: investigation? (laughs) At least go look around a little bit, you know. Ask some questions. Apparently more than what she had, because these parents who were complaining were on the fringes of society. They were largely poor, unemployed, single parents, unmarried couples or unmarried women, itinerant families. They were basically all in the lowest rungs of society. There was already so much prejudice and stigma against these parents on their own, that they really didn't stand much of a chance against a well-respected social worker who claimed that they were the ones neglecting and mistreating their kids. But at the same time, suspicion about Georgia did begin to mount. On paper, the Tennessee Children's Home Society was financially struggling to stay open. Even on their best months, they were barely breaking even, which is typical for a for a non-profit. I can personally attest that working in social services has never been a good way to get rich. But Georgia was being ferried around town in hired Packard limousines. That started to raise some eyebrows. Weird. It is weird. Many of the adopted parents also started started to notice inconsistencies in the information they'd been given about their children. Things like their children's medical conditions or even their ages just didn't match what they'd been told. Some of the, these parents, some of the adoptive parents, also began to question the shady business practices of the Tennessee Children's Home Society especially was, as Georgia was apparently in the habit of demanding even more money from the families after the adoptions had been finalized. Which is unbelievably weird. Like, why are you trying to- tra- It's extortion! It's just extortion. Like, are
0: you just trying
1: to attract attention to yourself? Well, Georgia had a trump card against these families. Basically, if the families noticed inconsistencies in the adoptions, or if the families refused to, like, continue paying more fees and money to Georgia- she threatened that the adoption would be nullified and the children would be taken from oh. them. People obviously got very attached to their children and weren't willing to risk getting them taken away, so they would either hide from Georgia or they would pay the fees. She kept coming back to be like, no, I need more money for this. No, I need more money for this. Um, If you wanted to keep your kids, sometimes you just had to deal with it. So she's basically
0: getting, like, baby-related kickbacks by extorting... A feeling she has only heard of that of that called love you she's Correct. just like,
1: yes, that's ah, it. you
0: have an emotional attachment to this child. What if I use that to hurt you? <laughs> that's healthy. The love of a parent for a child that sounds like something profitable
1: in time, the professional reputation of the Tennessee Children's Home Society started to crumble. In 1941, they lost their formal endorsement from the Child Welfare League of America, which is a huge deal. The Child Welfare League of America is an organization that's basically the go-to authority on which child n- the- on which child welfare nonprofits and agencies are legit. If you don't have their endorsement, or at least if you didn't have their endorsement back in the day, you weren't shit, basically.
0: So this isn't like this is more like like a teachers' Association. It's not like, these are our A-plus teachers. It's more like, this is a person who's qualified to work in a classroom.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, in its decision, the Child Welfare League noted several major issues they had with the way the society was operating. Specifically, they took issue with the fact that Tan was destroying records, that she was failing to properly screen foster and adoptive parents, that she was failing to inspect foster homes before placing children there, That she was advertising children in newspapers. They took an issue with that.
0: Someone finally decided to question that. She's been doing it for decades openly. Like, I don't know if you can be any more open than, like, a large picture ad in a national newspaper.
1: It's so subtle, isn't it? Take this young boy home with you. Nothing weird about that. It's it's odd
0: because it's it's not that her behavior became less suspicious. It's both an accumulation thing and a standards catching
1: up with her thing. She went too big. She should have quit while she was ahead. Um, she flew too close to the sun. Fucking settle down, Icarus. Put those kids down. <laughs> the Child Welfare League of America also had issue with the fact that um, Georgia Tan would allow foster parents to pick out children they wanted. That is not standard practice. You get the kids that are a fit for you. You don't pick them out of a lineup. They were also suspicious of her habit of finding adoption placements almost exclusively out of state. Additionally, they were not cool with all the death. They had an issue with the death. We cannot
0: begin to restate not cool with that.
1: Not okay with that. And you know you've really fucked up when you are failing to live up to child welfare standards in fucking 1941. Yeah. This is an era where you are- it's not only good practice for teachers to smack the shit out of students- you're a shitty teacher if you don't smack the shit yeah, out of your you students. You
0: don't beat every child in your care once or twice. What are you, some some kind of abuser?
1: You're just some sort of non-child abusing communist.
0: Like what kind of socialist English teacher doesn't just beat the shit out of their children?
1: <laughs> it's just like, all right, here's your copy of King Lear, and here's my bat. You better die. <laughs> you know, I I always always hated it when we uh when
0: we when we took shakespeare because those were the hardcovers
1: those ones hurt those leave a dent so the final nails in the coffin for georgia and the tennessee children's home society came several years later starting in 1949 there were some big political change ups in tennessee there was a new governor and a new mayor of memphis who was an enemy of georgia's buddy the corrupt mayor crump remember him he was in the last half he did have a fascinating name The corrupt Mayor Crump. He obviously didn't address himself as corrupt, but he was quite corrupt. But yeah, so the the political connections that had allowed Georgia to do basically whatever the fuck she wanted pretty much evaporated overnight. A social worker named Ann Beals happened to notice that the infant mortality rate in Shelby County, which is the county that contains Memphis, had a fucking astronomical infant mortality rate compared to the surrounding areas. And this seemed to be driven by the children dying from preventable diseases in Tennessee Children's Home Care uh, residents. One outbreak of dysentery at the society killed 40 to 50 children. Oh my god. This was gosh. not a disease that children... Yeah, you shouldn't be dying from this by the dozens in the 1940s. That we're, we're well past Never that.
0: mind when you're in an institution. No.
1: You can't just have 40 kids drop from dysentery and not have the state, like check on you. Yeah, like,
0: even back in the day, that is a notable outbreak. (laughs) Like, that is- that's a lot of dead kids.
1: No, so the state governor realized that this red flag coincided with decades of complaints from birth parents, and finally ordered a formal investigation into the society. Predictably, the investigation turned up all manner of horrors. Children were being beaten, drugged, and starved, medical care was non-existent, and doctor's orders were ignored. Children died from preventable diseases by the dozens, and records were basically non-existent. All of which is not allowed.
0: Yeah, yeah. even back in the day. Even back in the day, that's not nope. allowed. That's not okay. Like, they didn't have, like, stellar standards in the 1940s, but they, they did require you to keep documents.
1: And the kids alive, that was also a requirement.
0: Yeah, <laughs> almost as important as the documents. I want everything in triplicate, and I want that motherfucker to have a pulse you should not be running a group home like a concentration camp. (laughs)
1: Like... (laughs) Ideally. No fucking battle royale for you. No. Yes, this investigation into Georgia's activities also discovered millions of dollars in unreported revenue from black market baby sales, most of which Georgia had skimmed for herself. They also discovered that kickbacks had been paid to Judge Kelly in exchange for pushing through unethical adoptions and unfairly terminating parental rights. People were horrified. The Tennessee Children's Home Society was called a death trap and a house of horrors in the news coverage that followed the investigation.
0: Oh, because the thing is, like, this holds up to exactly zero scrutiny.
1: No. She's
0: gotten way too confident. She's been getting away with this way too long. And at the point where people were become, like were cottoning on and she was becoming suspicious,
1: there's no way she can hide this. Oh, God, no. No, how, how do you sweep these millions of dollars under the rug? Like, there's not a chance. Ultimately, though, nobody would ever face consequences for what had been done to these children and their families. On September 15th, 1950, just three days before the results of the investigation were announced and charges were to be filed against the Tennessee Children's Home Society, Georgia Tan unexpectedly slipped into a coma and died from undetected uterine cancer. She was only 59 years old. What the fuck? Yeah, she's just like, well, I've had my millions, I've had my fun, goodbye, Mm -hmm. off this mortal plane. She just died.
0: Checking out early.
1: Straight up checked out early. She was like, alright, I've been, I've saw, I've I've made some money, Mm. peace.
0: Here for a good time, not a long time. Enjoy. No, she took
1: that very seriously. (laughs) Judge Camille (laughs) Kelly was forced to retire after the scandal broke. That's her female judge friend. Forced to retire, that's light. Well, you know, gentle pressure. No mobs with pitchforks? Interesting. She passed away from a stroke five years later. She never had an opportunity to face justice either. The Tennessee Children's Home Society was permanently shut down in December of 1950, and all of the remaining children were moved to alternate placements. The states of California and New York both vowed to open their own investigations into the children who'd been adopted to those states, but nothing ultimately ever came of it. So, like I said, if you're doing your DNA, 23andMe, and you come across some strange bayou heritage you can't explain, I can.
0: Here's the thing. I understand that we, the, the America just got out of a world war, but it
1: still feels like they should have been a priority. I mean, the fact that this went on for 25 years and like nobody's, nobody fucking did anything. We still like, they're still dealing with the paperwork nightmare this created. They're still reuniting families. You know, she created, like she fucked up a generation. That's hard to do. In the end, no adoptions made by the Tennessee Children's Home Society were ever reversed. Not a single child taken by Georgia was ever restored to their birth parents.
0: That's an amazing statistic. She should have been a baseball player.
1: Jesus. (laughs) Um, But yeah, she just sort of died. Never faced charges, never came to justice. Just drove around in her limousines and then died right before they could investigate her. I mean, on the bright side,
0: we can probably look up where her grave is and go shit on it.
1: Just another another fine gender-neutral bathroom. <laughs> um, the
0: best one we for... found yet. Huzzah. I can, we can go fertilize but... her corpse.
1: <laughs> Jessica's like, I want to turn the sod a little and just poop right under it.
0: <laughs> just, you know, s- scratch at the dirt around it like a big old cat.
1: That's real respectful.
0: <laughs> um, I- I'm just saying, if there was a person who needed to be watered with a little
1: urea, she- it'd be her. Just Jessica out there with those, like, those little fertilizer sticks from the dollar store or just hammering them into some <laughs> strange woman's grave.
0: <laughs> just churning it with some eggshells. You're starting a little compost heap. Yeah, kind of like a, a big old compost filled with Filled with appropriately, appro- appropriately sad worms. Because like, they're hermaphroditic, so I gotta put a veil on one side and a little bow tie on the other.
1: You need friends or to leave the house.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I was a small child, every time it got rained, I got really, really stressed out. Because I'd feel compelled to move all of the worms to the
1: grass. Ew and you're just like realizing the enormity of this task and you're like oh god
0: oh no it was it was it was so stressful like i just felt the weight of the worms on my shoulder
1: <laughs> being the worm god was not the easy gig you thought it would be yeah dune lied to me <laughs> god of worms less fun than anticipated
0: <laughs> they're less useful when they're not huge with psychoactive poop Dude was a weird novel
1: It was a very weird novel And every every couple of years they're just like We're gonna make a movie and everyone's like But why? How? How do you make that into a movie? We're gonna try
0: Cause those things have to be mainstream They gotta make money They have to have a certain, a certain bar of, of relatability And you wanna have The only sci-fi novel Where everyone is constantly Drinking their own pith But in like a thematic way
1: I just can't wait to like see that movie in theaters next to somebody who's real familiar with Dune. Just to be Yeah, astronaut. just chanting the
0: entire time, piss, piss, piss,
1: piss. <laughs> and that's why Jessica's banned from the theater.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I went and saw Joker and I was
1: laughing way too hard. Oh yeah, they definitely refer you to somebody for that.
0: <laughs> like I was just I was just cackling at that If you've seen it, no spoilers, but I was laughing at that one scene with the midget and when he's crying and trying to get to the doorknob. I I was laughing inappropriately hard. And like, I just hear this whisper from the person behind me. It's just like, oh my god.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Jessica, you're upsetting the neighbors. (laughs) But For all the horrors she committed, Georgia Tan basically built the standards of adoption in America today. Standards that were invented to cover up a horrific crime. So if you're adopted or thinking of going through the process or partway through the adoption process, know that the reason it's such a huge pain in the ass is because the rich social worker wanted to embezzle money through children.
0: Yeah, and then we had to have fucking rules. We had rules before, but then we decided we need a lot more rules.
1: So we did. Georgia basically pioneered the concept of a closed adoption. This is an adoption where the child's original birth records and information about their origins are sealed, and not accessible to either the child or their birth parents. Likewise, birth parents are not allowed to know anything about where their child has been placed. That was her bread and butter if nobody could get madder if nobody knew where the fuck these kids came from.
0: It's like playing three-cup Monty, except the, under the cup is a child.
1: <laughs> Falsifying birth certificates is also something Georgia Tan leaves behind as a rotten legacy. If you're adopted, there's a good chance that your true birthplace was changed to the city where your parents were living when they adopted you. It's not uncommon for birth certificates to falsify a child's place of birth or even their birth date to prevent them from learning their true identity. This is still standard practice in several states. Likewise, it was standard practice to not even record the identity of an adoptee's biological father even in their original records. This too is still common in several states. They're just like, where'd this kid come from? Never mind, crawled fully formed out of the sea. That's all we need to know. Which is just
0: so obviously designed to minimize the number of people who have legal grounds to sue you.
1: Oh yeah, they just want fewer fathers with custody so they can steal more kids. But, you know, who am I to judge? In Georgia Tan's era, closed adoptions were meant to be irreversible. Adoptees were never meant to be able to unseal their original records or learn anything about their birth family, and vice versa. And we made it impossible for some reason. Shouldn't you at least be able to sue to get that right? You can now, but not back in the day you couldn't. um she claimed that this was done to protect the child's quote unquote privacy and prevent their birth parents from trying to come back into their lives but why would that mean that the child's not allowed to know? She actually framed this as herself doing these parents a favor. She oh said, boy. "Oh yeah, she said that uh." By taking away their kids and not telling them where they'd gone, she was giving the birth parents a chance for a "quote unquote" fresh start, which is bleak because you know you can't not be a parent. Just
0: think about how much better off you'll be without a child who loves you, right? It's just
1: like, uh, uh, you know, you're gonna have this kid that's like just living in the back of your minds. Like you're never gonna be able to scrub the memory of this child. But you know, no closure, no closure for you like, she she really presented this as her, like, doing them a favor. She's just like, they can't handle these kids. They're happier without them. I steal your children because I care about you. But again, yeah, she claims this is about privacy. The woman who created these practices was actively selling children under false pretenses, so you can decide if you think that rationale is true or not. These falsified records can create a huge fucking headaches for adoptees later on in life, by the way. Many of the kids who got falsified birth records around this time had headaches trying to obtain things like passports, because you generally need to have a complete birth record to do that. So this was not harmless. Privacy restrictions around close adoptions are slowly loosening in this day and age. They kind of have to because you can spit in a tube and find everyone you're ever related to. But uh, many adoptees still face an enormous battle to try to unseal their records and learn even basic information about their origins. Many states will still not tell adult adoptees, their birth parents' identities, whether or not they have any siblings out there, or even their real fucking place or date of birth.
0: Hasn't this resulted in multiple pairs of siblings marrying?
1: Siblings were the first ones that they kind of um, released. That was the first piece of information that they released, was the ability to find out who your siblings are. For that exact reason, they were like, oh, they're gonna fuck. We gotta gotta (laughs) do something. They there's don't literally know.
0: there's literally a psychological phenomenon called um what is it um uh it's genetic attraction I think where like the more closely you are related to somebody the sexier you will find them because it well, means you're yeah. probably compatible enough to have kids like you're close genetically and if you're too far apart you you no longer become like uh, viable reproductively the reason why none of you find your mom sexy like the reason why that grosses you out is due to a completely contrary phenomenon I'll call the Westermark effect. But yes. the Westermark effect only really kicks in, it has nothing to do with biology. It has completely everything to do with being raised together. So you can have two people who are completely not biologically related and you raise them together, they that'll gross them right out. Like they they will not find each other attractive. But if you take two siblings and you raise them apart. That Westermark effect never fires up. No, like the the psychological imprinting that happens between young children and close family members. It's a proximity thing.
1: Oh, yeah, that's the problem. If you're in a if you're in a city where you don't know how many siblings you have or who they are. You're at a disproportionate risk of dating your own sibling because you are going to find them smoking. So although the scandal of the Tennessee Children's Home Society broke in 1950, it took decades for the state to start taking steps to unseal those records and reunite survivors with long-lost family. Until It wasn't until 1979 that the state passed a provision allowing siblings who'd been adopted to different families to find each other. This didn't apply to birth parents, however, even if both the children and their birth parents confirmed that they wanted to meet. It made no difference. It's baffling
0: to have a situation where one organization has been told, both by the parent and the child, hey, I want to meet my family member. And they're just like, no.
1: They uh, There was this real big stigma around the biological parents of these kids. And uh, the state really dragged their feet on reuniting these Children with their families. They uh, It wasn't until 1996 that Tennessee finally agreed to release adoption records to survivors who presented proof their adoptions had gone through the Tennessee Children's Aid Society so long as their living birth parents, if they still had any, consented for the records to be released. So it wasn't until 1996 that it became possible to get your hands on a copy of your adoption records. What the fuck? Yeah, they waited. They they waited 46 years, you know. Okay. You should not allow
0: two generations to pass on that one.
1: Yeah, I'm but- just gonna say, you waited until I was six years old. No, the fact that the state waited 46 years to make records available meant it was too late for many families. A lot of survivors got their records unsealed only to discover that they'd actually been stolen from loving parents who wanted them. And then, by the way, your loving parents have already died. That was the problem. A lot of people wanted desperately to meet their families and were desperately wanted by their families, but the timing just never worked out. They just never got to spend that time together.
0: And it feels like this is in part just because it's such an awkward thing to dig into. Not just, like, in terms of man hours, but in terms of politics.
1: It's it's touchy. The, the topic of what to do with adoptees who want to know more about their origins has been up for debate for some time. No, and then many surviving birth parents and siblings were just never able to locate their long-lost family members. It's possible that they just didn't know where they were adopted out to. Because it's harder to search certain states' adoption records, so if they were adopted out to a more difficult state, sometimes they just never found these kids again. Other adoptees may have simply decided that they didn't want to know, but yeah, no, not everybody got this happy ending. Not everybody even got the closure of finding out that your mom died years ago. Some people just never found out. Perhaps the oddest thing about the aftermath of this story, however, is that it has basically entirely faded from the American consciousness.
0: Which is a weird thing to forget. We still remember it's Waco. It's weird.
1: It's weird. We remember the Alamo. This woman may have killed five hundred kids, and we're just like, who? Who is that?
0: Yeah, it's weird. Like we, we know who Ted Bundy is. We 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 know we know who John Wayne Gacy is. Nope, this lady flew straight under that radar. I think more people know that, like, we found like a whole bunch of corpses in Ben Franklin's house than know about her. Oh
1: yeah, for that sure. That being said.
0: Th- those were probably anatomical studies, so I, guess why that- I get why that's less exciting.
1: But still, this entire story was enti- was extremely well-documented in the day. It was just breaking news. It affected literally tens of thousands of people, and yet it's just not a well-known story. It-
0: it'd be like, 20 years from now, just nobody ever talked about the Oklahoma City bombing.
1: If we were just like, well, we'll chalk that up to a whoopsie-daisy and just move on. It's very strange. It is. It's extremely strange. At the time, this was, like, headline news. There was articles, news reports, court records, witness testimony. I mean, she was supposed to stand trial, and they were they were going to try to prosecute some of her associates. I don't know that anybody ever went to jail for this. But, uh, no. This should be a piece of history that every American knows, but they just don't. Even pop culture coverage has been fairly minimal. There was a made-for-TV movie called Stolen Babies in 1993 that looks genuinely ghastly. And there has been a novelization of the scandal called Before We Were Yours by Lisa Wingate, released in 2017, but that's pretty much it for pop culture depictions. This is just not a well-known story.
0: That's amazingly below the radar for 5,000 baby sales!
1: Yeah, just a shitty made-for-TV movie that came out like 30 years ago, and a novel. That just exists.
0: To quote one of the dumber dumber members of my French
1: immersion course, "Cascala fuck! That is super dumb, on both counts. But yeah, there's some non-fiction books about the story, particularly some memoirs written by affected children, and there is, of course, an episode of Unsolved Mysteries about this case, but this is a piece of American history that most people know absolutely nothing about. They have no reason to care about adoption or foster, for the most part. Even though hundreds of of Georgia Tan's direct victims are still alive today, people just don't care.
0: And part of it is the exact same reason she got away with it for
1: so long. She did this to people we've decided don't matter. Um, But yeah, so ultimately Georgia Tan has escaped consequences for her actions again. She not only died without ever facing charges, but history has kind of quietly forgotten her crimes. She should be, you know. Infamous. Our nation's greatest, uh, well, we don't live in the U.S., but she should be the United States' greatest gender-neutral bathroom. The greatest one <laughs> they've ever known. And yet she's not, which means justice has gone unserved.
0: Like, I, I feel like we should almost let up on women named Karen and just switch to Georgia for a while.
1: Georgia's a pretty solidly awful name.
0: Soft. Like, I was, I was doing a comedy show the other day, and, like, I just picked this random woman out of the crowd, and I'm like, What's your name? And she just like stares at me silently for a little while and just goes Karen. And I'm like, And you're sitting in the front of a comedy club, bless your heart. <laughs> <laughs> That's brave. That is braver than our You church. are you you are a model.
1: <laughs>
0: no no US Marine is as brave as a woman named Karen sitting in the front row of a comedy show. In the year of our Lord, 2021.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we commend her for her service. Your
0: sacrifice did not go unheeded. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that uh, that concludes the story of Georgia Tan.
0: Next week, we're going to have con artists.
1: Ooh, yes, we I hope you're enjoying one, this little palate cleanser. Yeah,
0: we're getting new experimental.
1: Ooh, branching out creatively. So this has been Histories and Mysteries. I'm Jessica. And I'm still Janelle.